has purpose now it never had before. There is meaning to each day and even more. For a joy and peace I can't explain is mine. Since I found new life in Christ my Lord divine. Oh, it is wonderful to be a Christian. Oh, it is wonderful to be God's child. Oh, it is wonderful to have your sins forgiven. Oh, it is wonderful to be redeemed, justified, forever reconciled. I can go directly to the Lord in prayer. He has told me I may boldly enter there. And he listens as his promises I plead. I find mercy there and grace for every need. Oh, it is wonderful to be a Christian. Oh, it is wonderful to be God's child. Oh, it is wonderful to have your sins forgiven. Oh, it is wonderful to be redeemed, justified, forever reconciled. And the hope of heaven's glory thrills my soul. Where I'll live with Christ forevermore, I know. That is why the things of earth I loosely hold. I've eternal riches better far than gold. Oh, it is wonderful to be a Christian. Oh, it is wonderful to be God's child. Oh, it is wonderful to have your sins forgiven. Oh, it is wonderful to be redeemed, justified, forever reconciled. Oh, it is wonderful, wonderful to be redeemed, justified, justified forever Man, let's take our Bibles and just turn over to the book of Daniel tonight. Daniel, Daniel chapter 3. We spent the summer pretty much plotting out the need to live by principle, or pointing out, not plotting out, pointing out. We said that principle in our lives is a game changer and that it's so needed because it guides you to say no at certain times and to say yes at other times because it steadies our course in both good and bad times. It stabilizes us when others around us go the route of compromise and carelessness. It's what keeps us going forward when our friends and others quit. Living by principles, what moved and motivated the patriarchs, the prophets, and the people of God through the years. And over the next few weeks, I want to take uh, just a few moments and share some portraits of principle. Portraits of principle, I'm calling it. I I just was trying to think about whether it should be portraits in principle or portraits of principle uh, just a minute ago, and I have settled on portraits of principle. I have no idea if it matters, but either way, uh, that's what we're going to be looking at. I want to begin by considering the three Hebrew children, and uh, the fact is they would not bow, would they? And uh, the principle is nothing more than a Bible truth that you adopt as a standard of living, we said. And so, you know, we say, I choose to always obey that truth and never give myself an excuse not to obey it. 
Well, principles based out of the Word of God. It's planted in the fertile ground of commitment and it grows deep in conviction. And that is what, that's what we see in the lives of these three Hebrew children. So let's go ahead and read Daniel chapter 3, verse 15 through 18. Daniel chapter 3, verses 15 through 18. Now I just want to share a couple simple thoughts in the next few moments that we have together. Daniel chapter 3, verse 15. The Bible says, Now, if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, you'd speak to our hearts as we give some thought to these portraits of principles. I pray, dear God, that you would just work and move in our lives. I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit. I have nothing to give this thy people except you give it to me first. And Lord, I pray that you'd anoint their ears that they may hear with spiritual ears. Lord, may our hearts be more knit together as a family. And Lord, may our desire be to you more than ever. Father, may our resolve and determination be strengthened. Father, we live in a world that is full of compromise and change, and Lord, you never change. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Help us, Lord, to be consistent, and to walk in thy truths. We'll thank you, we'll praise you as you give us the victory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. As I was mentioned already, a principle is nothing more than a Bible truth that you adopt as a standard of living. Right off the bat, we note the truth. Turn, if you would, to Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 5. Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 5. We're going to note the truth. Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 5. Here in this particular passage, of course, we know that the law is being given for the first time. The children of Israel have... Uh, been delivered out of Egypt. They've made their way now to uh, the, the, the point where they're going to enter into the promised land and God is preparing them and he's giving them their, his word. And, and so we are going to have what are called the Ten Commandments or what we recognize them as the Ten Commandments. And so it's going to be stated now what God desires, what he wants, what his standard is. And so he begins to share that in Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 5. And the Bible tells us, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not, watch it now, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. 
visiting the iniquity of the fathers unto the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Notice again, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. There's the truth right there. We go over to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5, notice verse 7. Here in this particular passage, the children of Israel have wandered now for 40 years in the wilderness. God is going to restate the law again. He stated it early on prior to them uh, uh, sending the spies into the land and rejecting his offer to enter the promised land. And now, after 40 years of wilderness wandering, they are going to again have the opportunity to enter into the promised land. God is restating the very law that he expects them to live by, the standard by which he has set. And so here in Deuteronomy chapter 5, he restates basically what we just read Virtually, word for word, listen to it now. He says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make thee any graven image or, or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that's in the waters beneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. Again, it's been restated again. Now take your Bible, turn over to the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 17. 2 Kings chapter 17, we're going to look at verse 35. 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 35. Now following a very dismal history of idolatry, the people of God are going to be taken captive. We know that things are not going to go well for them. God is going to remind them, however, that it was their idolatry, was one of the, their idolatry was one of the main reasons that they were going to enter into, into this captivity. A number of reasons, obviously, but this is one of them. And um, he makes it clear that the idolatry that they performed was wrong, and that he alone deserved their worship. Now, look what the Bible says here in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 17, verse 35. With whom the Lord had made a covenant. We know that's his people. And he charged them, saying, Ye shall not fear other gods, nor bow yourselves to them, nor serve them, nor sacrifice to them. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Now these men, these three young men, they knew this truth. They were convinced that they were to follow this truth. They had adopted this truth as a standard by which they would live their lives. They were not that awfully old, but I'm sure that through the years they had heard it preached and taught. They had heard the priest and maybe grew up in a school somewhere hearing the truth being given. Mom and dad or grandma and grandpa had made it perfectly clear. Look over here in the book, uh, in these books, recognize here that we are not to bow. God never wants us to bow our knee to other gods. We are only to bow our knee to Jehovah. And they came to this conclusion in their mind based upon the truth. We cannot, nor will we ever, bow before any other God but Jehovah. That was a principle that they applied to their life, that they 
they received to themselves. They made it very clear in their mind. We know what God's word says. We know what the truth is. And we are going to adopt that truth as a way of life for ourselves. Therefore, we cannot nor will we ever bow before any other God but Jehovah. I want you to note the test. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 3. You find Ezekiel, go to the right. Daniel chapter 3, verse 14. Again, the Bible says, Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, sack, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made, well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? We see a test now that they're facing. Being told to bow to a sculpted idol and worship it as God... They found themselves in the valley of decision here. I don't know, uh, you know what stage of life you're in, but I can guarantee you, you're going to have some decisions to make along the way in life. They're not always going to be easy decisions. It's going to be tough sometimes. But I'll tell you right now, it sure makes life a lot easier and it makes our decisions a lot less complicated if we are living by principle. And in this particular case, they are faced with this decision. And these young men stood at a crossroad in their lives. Would they vacillate or violate from this principle that they had established long ago? Or would they compromise in order to save their lives? I mean, what will they do? What decision will they make? Will they stand or will they fall? What's going to happen here? Well, the truth was fixed. I'll just tell you this. Their decision to obey or disobey would have no effect on the truth itself. It didn't matter whether they stood or whether they fell. The fact was, is you aren't supposed to bow to any other God but Jehovah God. So it wouldn't, I mean, in that sense, it doesn't matter. Well, they shouldn't have fell. I guess because they were willing to compromise, I guess that means that that truth's not so important. No, that truth is still important whether or not they stood or whether they bowed. Doesn't matter. The truth is truth whether or not we acknowledge it or obey it. The question was, would they enforce the principle at the cost of their lives or dismiss it out of convenience? That was the real issue here. But they're they're confronted with a test. But I want you to note the temptation that they feel here. There's tremendous temptation here. Try and put yourself in that situation. The statement basically, bow and live, stand or die. It's up to you. Bow and live, or stand and die. That is as simple as the decision was. Remember again, this wasn't a group of senior citizens who had lived the majority of their lives or had spent the last 30 years walking with God. That's not who we're dealing with here. These were young men. These were young men who had dreams of being married and starting a family. They had hopes of loving a wife and raising children. They were young, healthy, and strong. Not only that, but they were men with tremendous potential in life. They were some of the cream of the crop, the best of the best. Success was in their futures, and they had prepared and readied themselves for that success. 
What a temptation. I'm sure they could have come up with a number of reasons why, well, they should have, a number of reasons why they should just do all in their power to stay alive, right? Do whatever I can to stay alive. Their age, their potential, their influence, their family name. I mean, there's got to be a lot of reasons why a young man should remain alive given this circumstance. But when the time came to choose whether or not they would bow to the idol, there really wasn't a choice to be made, or so it seems. They had already made their decision when they adopted this truth as a principle by which they'd rule their lives. They had already chosen whether or not they would bow or whether they would stand. They already knew because they had adopted a biblical truth as a way of life. It became a principle by which they lived by. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. We don't have to think about it a whole lot. We don't have to weigh it out or anything. We don't have to consider what the the cost of our decision will be. It doesn't really matter. We don't have to think a whole lot about it because we've already thought about it. We're not bowing. We're not bowing. We are not bowing. Sadly enough, it seems today in Christendom, we bow to everything. Let's be honest. The employer says, you're going to work on a Sunday? We go, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Anytime. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. Well, yeah, okay, go ahead. Got to do that. Can't lose our job. We're going to do that. We can't, we can't have our kids uh, you know, be, look like they're Christians in schools or anything like that. We can't, we can't look funny or different or be any kind of a, uh, you know, example in the world. Oh, I mean, the world can stand up and look like a bunch of crazy people, but we got to look, you know. My, oh, my, don't look too crazy now. I mean, don't comp- you've got to compromise on that one. You know what? Discipline your kids the way the Bible says? Oh, man, they'll think you're nuts. I'm going to do that. What, you mean fight for your marriage? Are you kidding me? After what took place, why would you do that? Huh? I'm telling you, we just bow on down, get on. We bow down to the world. We're not bound to God. We're bound to the world. What their philosophy is, their thinking is, we bow down to it. That's no big deal. This isn't a big problem. Wait, the Bible says it's a problem. Why isn't it a problem for us? And I'm not going into specifics, but let's be honest. We all know of areas in our lives and areas in our, our world where today we'd have never, ever, ever compromised those areas 30, 40 years ago. And today Christians are just falling right along. I mean, why not? I mean, a little wine for thy stomach's sake? I mean, Timothy had it figured out, man. We can, we can go on out to, the, to each other on, on Christmas especially. Let's drink a little wine. We're Christians. We can handle it. We're not getting drunk. Oh, yeah, let's just disregard everything the Bible says about alcohol in the Bible then. We'll just bow down to the world. Why stand when you can bow? It's a lot easier. So what do you believe? I believe what the Bible says. I believe the Bible. The question is, what do you believe? The question is, what do they believe? I mean, are we going to let what the world says dictate and determine whether we bow or stand? Do we let them tell us what our, our principles ought to be, what right and wrong is? Can you imagine that? 
Today it's right to, you know, to, to, to uh, just mutilate children because people want to say we don't know what gender we are. I mean, that's right? When did we decide it was right? I didn't decide it was right. God hasn't changed his mind. And as Christians, we better stand up for what we believe is right, and we better not bow. It's time somebody believes something. It's time somebody stand up. People say, well, you guys are crazy. You're nuts. That's all right. You're crazy and nuts too, just in a different way. How's come your crazy is right and ours is wrong? The problem is you have your crazy, you just don't like ours. You have your standards, you just don't like our standards. It's cra- that's, that's crazy. That sound system don't think so. So we see the temptation. Man, I'll tell you what, these guys were in a fix. I wonder, do you think that they, uh, they passed the test? I do, but flying colors. They passed with flying colors. They said, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. And later on they say, but if not, even if, you, even if the Lord doesn't deliver us, so to speak, in that regard, he's going to deliver us out of your hand, that's for sure, King. One way or the other, we're, you're not going to, it's on the Lord's hand. It's, he's going to take care of business. But if, if he doesn't deliver us out and through that fire, guess what? Um, we're not going to bow. Then we're not going to serve thy gods nor worship that golden image which thou hast set up. I want you to think about, if you're older, as you're my age, and think about your 25, 30-year-old having to make this decision. I wonder what advice you'd give them. What advice would I give my 20, 25-year-old? Would I tell them to bow and just live? They got a whole life ahead of them? Would I tell them to do that? Would I say, listen, it's not worth dying for You know, the thing is, is that these three young men did not have parents to tell them anything. You know that they stood on their own. They had been taken captive out of their land. They'd been removed from their families. They were now wards of the state, if you will. And they would not bow the knee. Maybe they were fortunate there was no parents there to tell them what to do. We probably wouldn't be reading about them today if they followed the advice of their parents, maybe. I would never want to be put in that position as a parent. I wouldn't want you to be put in that position. But I think sometimes it's good for us to think about what our priorities would be. You think about all the martyrs. Can you imagine as a father, say six children, eight children in those days, having a wife that was so young and she couldn't take care of herself. They didn't have programs like we have today. And here you're being told that you're going to be executed tomorrow morning unless you bow. And those things happened. Wow. Man, I'll tell you what, I hope we never have to make those decisions in my lifetime or my children's. But I mean, think about the, think about the severity. Think about how important it is to settle our, prior, our principles, to know where we stand. Because if we're waiting till it's time to make that decision, we may find ourselves making the wrong one because it's a very difficult decision to make. We better at least know what the truth is and have decided that the truth is worth living for. We see the triumph. Look at Daniel chapter 3, verse 20. The triumph. 
Praise the Lord in this case. The Bible says, and he commanded in verse chapter 3, verse 20, he commanded the most mighty men that were in his, in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. I want you to notice verse uh, 20, wait, 21 there. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, their hats, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. We jump ahead to 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And it seemed like this, I mean, the scenario couldn't have got any worse at this point. Now, we didn't read that they had fired up that furnace seven times its, its, its strength. I mean, so much so that the men that threw them in burned up. Can you imagine that? It was so hot that the guys that threw them in burned up. And here they are now being cast in. I mean, that's a nightmare to think about this is what's taking place. In most of our, our minds, it would seem like the worst scenario possible. The king uh, just literally furious, casting them into this burning, fiery furnace. But to the surprise of the king and those around them, things didn't go like normal. I'm sure they'd cast a number of people into the fire before. Heard a few shrieks and then finally their silence and there was nothing left but ashes. But not this time. Daniel chapter 3 verse 24 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonied and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of, their, of the fourth is like unto the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the, of the fire, the midst of the fire. I mean, he come out crawling out of that thing. These three young men who had, been, had not compromised their principles now came up out of the fiery furnace to the amazement of everyone that attended that day. I mean, they're watching. I mean, they're expecting, <laughs> these stupid Hebrews, <laughs> these Jews are out of their minds. Won't even bow down. It's really worth dying for. Come on, we got all kind of gods. Can't they realize that? What, God's the only God? Again, what they deserve. What? what? Say that again. What? You can't. What? They're not burning up. That's impossible. That can't happen. They were thrown in there. We watched our friends throw them in and die. They're certainly dead by now. They're not dead. Matter of fact, there's another one in there. What? Another one? Who in the world's that? I want you to note the testimony, Daniel chapter 3, verse 27. And the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon those, whose bodies the fire, watch this, the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree. Listen now. That every people, nation, and language which speak 
Anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Not only were these young men delivered from the fire, but they climbed out of the furnace without one hair singed, not, not, not one piece of clothing charred, not the slightest smell of smoke on their person. That's amazing. That is called a miracle. And the king goes on to testify the unparalleled power of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God. And he said, he, it, get this, it also changed his mind. And he kind of forgets about making them bow to his gods or his image. He even commands every person, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be cut in pieces and their houses to be made dung hills. Nebuchadnezzar's attitude toward Jehovah seems to have done a 180-degree turnaround. Well, let's let the king answer why. He says, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. You know, the only way that this story, this account doesn't affect your life is if you just don't believe there's a God in heaven. The only way this account doesn't affect your life is that you don't believe the Bible's the Word of God. That's the only way it can't. Because if you believe the Bible's the Word of God and there's a God that wrote it and left it for us, then it has to affect our life and it has to affect our outlook. It has to affect the way we live. It just has to. What an amazing account of how principle lived and breathed in the lives of these three young men made a difference. Maintaining their principles could have easily cost them their lives. We see that. But God was merciful and he, spread, he spared their lives. And he used them to change the heart of a pagan king and everybody else that witnessed what took place. Not only that, but I'm sure long after that incident had taken place, things were different. When you and I exercise principles in our lives, we may be called upon to sacrifice something very near and dear to us. But rest assured, God will take that stand and he's going to use it to change those around us. I wonder, will we remain true to our principles? Remember, principles are nothing more than biblical truth that have been adopted as a way of life. Will we give God the opportunity to do the impossible through us? Will we stand for our principles and allow God to show off in our lives and prove himself to be God in the eyes of the world? If they had bowed that day, we wouldn't be reading about them, would we? You know, they'd probably, got, they'd probably died anyway sooner or later, right? But they lived by principle. And God gave them the power to stand when everybody and everything else was saying, bow. May you and I, like these three young men, live by principle. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they wouldn't bow. Will you? Will I? Father, we come to you. We thank you again for just the time that we had in the Word of God, the simplicity of it all. We ask, Lord, that you'd be exalted and magnified. 
Lord, we live in a day where compromise is just par for the course, where change is just a way of life, where we just want to survive, just want to get along without any conflict. And yet, Lord, as a believer, we have to stand on the Word of God. We have to stand on principle. We can do that with love. We can do that with kindness. We can do that being considerate of others. But, Lord, we, we still have to do it. It may be misunderstood. It may not even be appreciated. But, Lord, we have a priority, and that priority is to please you first. We understand that, Lord, you deserve our very best all the time because you gave us your very best on Calvary. You took our place and paid for our sin. You literally laid your life down on our behalf. Lord, you're just asking us to live our life on your behalf. Lord, be with us tonight, and Lord, may we choose to live by biblical principle. And that means we're going to have to start searching out truth. We need to know what the truth is so that we can create the principles needed to govern our lives in a way that honor you. We'll thank you. We'll praise you for it. In Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand.